Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to LocalJobNetwork.com radio. This is Moving Up the Ladder, where we bring in experienced professionals to help improve the status of your career, no matter what part of the ladder you're standing on. Now, managers are especially important, of course, as their behavior affects the success of the rest of their team. Unfortunately, sometimes the impact, though, is a negative one. And we have Randy Conley on today to inform us of the ways leaders diminish the production and performance of their teams. Randy is the Director of Client Delivery Services and Trust Practice Leader for Ken Blanchard Companies. Thanks for coming on today, Randy. Thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. We always give our guests the opportunity and, and the listeners really the chance to understand where our experts are coming from before we jump into the content. So if you would, just fill us in a little bit on your professional background. Yeah, I would love to. As you mentioned, I am with the Ken Blanchard Companies. I have worked for Blanchard for a little over 17 years. I have two jobs, actually. One is not enough, so I, I have <laughs> two. Uh, one is trust practice leader, so I work with clients around uh, training programs and consulting, speaking and writing on the topic of trust within leadership. And then I am also the director of our client services group, and that is a team of about 50 people spread around the world that does all the account management of our large accounts that, that uh, we work with as a company. Okay. So I have a I have a living laboratory where I get to live and breathe and you know be a frontline leader like like all the other leaders out there. Well, that's obviously perfect for our show and your experience, your perspective. So hopefully our listeners will be able to take away plenty from our conversation. And before we get into some of the specific traits or actions that might create more harm than good, as we talked about, I guess in general. What do you see as a reason managers do fall into that trap of uh, you know, negatively affecting their team as opposed to being on the positive side? I think a lot of it just comes down to not being completely self-aware hmm. of how our actions come across to other people. You know, I think by and large, most leaders have good intentions sure. you know, of, of trying to help their team and do what's best, but sometimes they go about it in the wrong way you know, and they don't realize the negative impact that they're having on their team or the ways that they're diminishing the performance of their team. Do you see that as something that's more of an issue now as opposed to the past? Is it something that's always existed? Or what's sort of your overall perception of that? I think it's something that's always existed. I think it's more noticeable okay. these days just with, um, you know, the fast-paced business environment we're in. You know, technology really has fundamentally changed the way we live you know, everything is moving at, at a rapid pace. You know, social media and technology just allows everything to be, you know, known in an instant, mm -hmm. right? You know, oh, yeah. anything can be publicized. If you're a leader that's not doing quite so well, everybody knows about it, right? You're, you're not sort of isolated anymore. So I, I just think it's, it's just more noticeable these days. Oh, I think it's a great observation. Uh, you know, they do studies like that with the media that, People think something's happening more often than it is when you see it on the news a lot. And I think yeah. to, to your point here, you're just seeing it more often. So it feels like it's it's maybe more common. Right. You, know, you mentioned the idea of being self-aware. And that's what we really want to do at this show is to help um, those leaders out there, those managers, just to see maybe where they are you know, doing something not quite the way they, they had hoped. And I guess the first thought was, what are one of the some of those common ways that those managers diminish the performance of their teams? Maybe if there are one or two that are most common to you that stand out. Yeah, I think there's a couple. One, you could kind of call the manager the idea guy, hmm. you know, and, and that's the guy or gal that 
always has the bright idea. You know, it's the next flavor of the month. He or she has read the latest management book or right. attended the, you know, the latest seminar and they're, they're bringing the new idea into their team and, and they do this repeatedly. And eventually, even though it's good stuff that they're bringing to the team, the team just says, you know what, this too shall pass, right? Mm. You know, sure. they, last, last month the flavor was chocolate, this month it's vanilla. Right. And uh, that'll fade away. So even though leaders have good intentions of introducing new ideas to their team, if they don't stick with it, stick through the implementation and see it through, people begin to doubt the long-term intentions of the leader. Sure. I think another one might be, is we could call it the optimist. And that is always seeing the business through rose-colored glasses. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think most of us as leaders, we want to diffuse negative energy within our team, right? We don't like to focus on the negatives and get bogged down in, in all the drama. And so sometimes we might paint the picture rosier than it really is, and we we become too much of the cheerleader, right. and we neglect the hard reality that our teams are facing. So I think striking that right balance between being an optimist, because we do need to keep people focused on the future and the good things that we're trying to achieve, but yet also acknowledging, you know, there's some tough times that we're dealing with. And let's talk about that. Let's bring that to the surface and find ways to handle it. Let's dig into uh, those two ideas there a little bit, and we'll start on the optimist side of things. When would you say negativity is good? And actually, I even thought, is it negativity or is it just reality versus optimism? When do you see it important to really look at it from an honest perspective, even if it, hey, the news isn't great sometimes? I think you you uh, touched on the key there. You know, is it negativity or is it just reality? I think, you know, all the research and literature shows that fair amount of conflict is a good thing, right? right? It helps teams produce better decisions. We come, we develop better products. So we need, you know, vigorous debate. You know, Patrick Lencioni talks about that in his book, Death by Meetings. Don't know if you've read that, but it's a great book. And he talks about meetings. Meetings need to be like good movies. They need to have some tension, some hmm. conflict that gets worked out. And I think fostering that sort of environment in your team is, is really a key responsibility for leaders so that people feel free to offer up their points of view, not be afraid to talk about the hard things, because every leader, we need truth tellers in our lives. Sure. Right, We don't want to be surrounded with yes people that just go along with everything we say. We are much better when everyone is contributing and we have the diversity of thought and ideas that come, come from our whole team. Are there any simple ways that you know, a manager, a leader can implement that without, I don't know, making it seem completely synthetic? You, know, you want it mm -hmm. to be authentic, obviously. Any tips that, from your experience, maybe? Yes. I would say one thing is talk less. And listen more. Interesting. You know, don't always feel like you have to be the one doing all the talking, coming up with the ideas. Listen, close your mouth. And when you do talk, ask open-ended questions. Ask people for their thoughts, their ideas. I think we would learn a lot more if, if we were, you know, a little more quick to listen and less prone to speak. That's one very simple way. Right. When we think about, and you know, that kind of leads me back with the, the whole idea guy, 
does that come down to it all in your mind, sometimes an ego thing or maybe not trusting the employees? Obviously, you you delve into that topic a lot, the idea of trust. Do you see that as being a big obstacle for that idea guy that you just can't let go, so to speak? I think it certainly is in, in a lot of situations. Um, you know, leaders, a lot of leaders have risen to their position by being the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've been the high achiever, the best at what they do, and now they're promoted into some sort of people leadership position, and they don't make the mental shift that their job has fundamentally changed. They're no longer supposed to be the smartest person in the room. They're supposed to help every one of their team members become the smartest people in the room. So sometimes I think there is an ego thing, you know, because it's hard. You you work your way up through the ranks, so to speak, and you get a certain amount of ego gratification from being that smart guy. Right. And then now your job is to help other people achieve that same sort of success. So I think ego is definitely one of the issues. I think another issue is, Part of being hardwired as a leader, so to speak, is feeling like you have to be the one that comes up with the ideas. Sure. You know, it's, it's your job. Leaders, we're supposed to be the answer man, right? We're supposed to have the answers to the tough questions, figure out the solutions to the challenges. And it's easy to take all of that on ourselves and feel like, you know, we have to do it all ourselves rather than leveraging the strengths of our team. Trust is a huge component. You mentioned that. One of the earliest experiences I had in my career at Blanchard, I was in a project management position, and my boss at the time called me into her office and said, Randy, we need you to fly to New York tomorrow to save this key account. Hmm. We, it was one of our top accounts. We had gotten into a recovery situation, and they were threatening to pull their business. It was a multi-million dollar account. And I said to her, I said, Barbara, is this a... Um, is this a thing that I have to do or is this optional? <laughs> Are you asking me? <laughs> uh, because I really didn't want to go. I, I knew the mess that this account was in and mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to get sucked into it. And she said, no, you have to go. And the reason you have to go is because I trust you mm-hmm. and I know that you are the right fit. You're the right person for this particular situation that can help us recover. And extending that trust to me when I was early in my career was just a tremendous boost in confidence, you know, to know that my leader was willing to be a little vulnerable, to take a little risk, and put me in charge of of this big project. So extending trust and developing trust with our people is a huge component in not diminishing their performance. I think that's a great concrete example for our listeners to hear, to really understand. I mean, I think they could... You could pick it up in your voice where it really did mean something to you, even though you didn't necessarily want to do it, but for her to extend that that trust factor, as you mentioned, it was just right. huge for you in that time. Yeah, it sure was. It was it was a defining moment in my my career. And, you know, it would have been very easy for her to have someone else do it or do it herself, but she took a little risk. And by its very definition, trust involves risk. If mm-hmm. there's no need for risk, there's no if there is no risk, there's no need for trust. Hmm. And, and risk means we lose a little bit of control, right? And leaders, we like to be in control, let's face it. You know? <laughs> and so giving up control, being a little vulnerable, extending trust, 
that that's a big step for us. Clearly, you know, everyone's going to have things to work on and uh, you're not necessarily always going to fix these problems or issues that, that might arise from uh, your managers or leaders. But uh, what maybe are other couple of these manager characterizations that you would say are the most difficult for an individual to turn around or to fix? Uh, for whatever reason, they just seem to be uh, more troublesome to, to turn around. Yeah, that's a good question. I think one that's really hard is you could call the person a pace setter. Okay. And that's the leader who is always so far out in front that they sort of create a defeatist attitude within their team. I mean, they take so much pride in being out front and being the example to follow that their team members feel like, you know, he, our boss is so far out ahead, we're never going to catch up. You right. know, he just kind of leaves us in the dust. And you don't even want to start the race because you feel like you've, you've already lost before <laughs> it's even begun. And so I, I think that's a really hard one because it goes back to what we talked about earlier is a lot of leaders have risen to that point by being the best, right? right? By being the pace setter, setting the pace for everyone. And once you move into a people leadership position, it's a key, it, it's a fundamental difference in the work. You're no longer the one responsible for doing the work. You're responsible for getting it done through other people. So I, I, I think that's a really challenging one. With that, uh, there's another similar one that I, I've seen you mention, the idea of always being on. And with, with both of those, is it just something, where can you start in terms of pulling that back and, and not being that person that, as you said, got you to that position? Where do you even begin to, to help an individual who's struggling with that? Yeah, the always-on personality that you mentioned, that's the leader who is like, you know, they've, they've probably drank about a six-pack of Red Bull. <laughs> you know, they, they've just got energy out the ears. They're constantly ping-ponging from, you know, one thing to the other. Right. And, and they're just, frankly, exhausting, you know, to be around. <laughs> You're like, holy cow, where, you know, where does all this energy come from? I, I just can't keep up with the person. And so I, I think if leaders find themselves in that situation, I think one thing that they could tangibly do is is be very judicious about where they contribute their energy. Okay. So if, if you use like a poker analogy, say you're going into the poker game with only three or four chips and you only want to play your chips in the most advantageous situations for you, you know, so dial back the energy a little bit, be strategic, look for the opportunities where you can really contribute the most to whatever it is you're involved in. Maybe it's a discussion, maybe it's a team meeting, maybe it's collaborating on a project, whatever the case is, dial back the energy a little bit, let others rise to the surface and, and play your chips at the most opportune time, you know, where you can best contribute. I think that makes perfect sense. And, and again, hopefully those listening, yeah, you know, they can start to recognize some of these items in themselves and, and help with the uh, the process that they're going through as well. How about any of the traits that might be, you know, maybe easier to fix, a little bit simpler, uh, not something that people would say is a, a problem to turn off or turn on, whatever the case may be? Yeah, uh, I would say one is called the rapid responder. If we were to give a label to another category of how leaders diminish the performance of their team. So the rapid responder, that's the person who 
is always the first one to jump at the problem or the challenge. Okay. You know, they, they seem to be everywhere at all times. They're putting out fires left and right. All right. And if a leader does that over a long enough period of time, it creates almost a, a state of learned helplessness hmm. within their team. Sure. Because the team members will sit back and they'll say, oh, you know, no worries, Randy's going to come to the rescue, you know, or, you know, oh, Tim, he'll take care of that. You right. know, we just let it sit there for a little bit. Tim will be sure to jump in and take care of that situation. So I think leaders really have to, once again, dial back that energy, give their team a chance to succeed before they jump in. I think there's so many wonderful analogies between leadership and parenting. So mm. I, I don't know if you're a parent or not, Tim. I am, and I was actually thinking the same thing with that uh, responder thing, that if a kid leaves a mess long enough, uh, if a parent goes and picks it up, you're really defeating the whole purpose of everything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. What what incentive does the child have to learn to clean up after themselves or take care of themselves or, you know, whatever the situation may be? Right. And it, it really creates unhealthy relationship patterns when we're constantly responding and, and fixing things for our people. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to learn to, number one, you know, hire the right people, right, with the right skills and talents. Number two, train them well, provide them the right amount of direction and support that they need to be successful at whatever their job is. And then stepping back and letting them do it, you know, and, and learn from their own successes and failures and one of the leaders that I admire is Gary Ridge. He is the CEO of WD-40. Okay. And uh, I have the pleasure of knowing Gary on a personal basis. And Gary refers to mistakes as learning moments. And, and he's fostered this culture within WD-40 to where, you know, people are given a certain amount of leeway, you know, within appropriate boundaries, of course, mm-hmm. to responsible for their work and if they make mistakes they're viewed as learning opportunities so you you know you do an autopsy of what went wrong what did we learn from it and what are we going to do differently next time so I, I think leaders have to really create that culture and atmosphere that allow people to be autonomous and responsible for their own work it's a great perspective to have and, and definitely something that would uh, it sounds like would help with all any of these issues that maybe a leader is having, um, being able to, to set that standard. We are getting a little low on time, but I did want to give you the opportunity to sort of have the floor at the end here, give our listeners a takeaway from this conversation as a whole, um, you know, wherever you'd like to go with it, whether it be a, a common theme you're looking at or or just any last pieces of advice for those leaders out there who are, are just looking for maybe a little bit of help in their situation. The last thing that I would leave with all the listeners is being a leader is a privilege and a responsibility. And I view leadership as much more of a calling rather than just a job. And as leaders, we have a unique position to positively impact the lives of all the people that work with us. You know, every day, the spirits of millions of people die at the office door when they go to work. And we as leaders have a unique opportunity to really transform the nature of work, the experience of work for our people. And I think it's important for us to be aware of how we are affecting people. And so, you know, let's take the time as leaders, I would give the encouragement, take the time to 
examine the actions that you, you know, display with your team and see if there are any areas that are, even though you think you're being helpful, might be diminishing the performance of your team, might be, you know, creating some bad habits or taking away from opportunities for them to really step up to the plate and shine on their own. So uh, that's the encouragement that I would leave with our leaders today. And I would just add one thing. Uh, a lot of these concepts that we've discussed, I would encourage people to pick up Liz Wiseman's book. It's called Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter. A lot of what we talked about today is, is coming from her book. I think that's a, a wonderful message to finish up with. Um, just the idea out there for leaders. Uh, again, those listening, take what you can from these conversations that we have, and, and hopefully they work out for you as well. Unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap things up here on Moving Up the Ladder and our discussion on how leaders do unfortunately diminish their team's production, but also we have gotten plenty of advice here from our guest, Randy Conley, who is from Ken Blanchard Companies. You can also find his thoughts at leadingwithtrust.com, where he uh, also talks about a lot of these same ideas. Randy, thanks a lot for bringing us your insight today. Thank you, Tim. It was my pleasure. Of course, we also want to hear from you, the listeners. If you do have any thoughts on future topics for us to cover on LJN Radio, just shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.